Let's pray. <clears throat> God, I thank you for today, and um, I just ask that you would bring uh, peace and stillness here. Uh, God, I pray for those uh, maybe like me whose minds can go to 50 different places, and uh, man, that we would just be able to be present because you do have something for us here. And I just, uh, Lord, I ask that you would make that evident to every person here, whether they're hurting, broken, lost, arrogant, <laughs> um, man, sad, lonely, that you would move and make yourself just shown and evident to them, God, that the reality of who you are, that you're not just words, it's not just fake, it's not just a social club, but you're the living God, and I just pray that you would you would show yourself in that, and I pray, Father, humbly, that you would help me to preach your word, to preach it well, and I wouldn't get in the way, and uh, I'll give you all the glory. In Jesus Christ, let me pray, amen. <clears throat> How are you guys doing today? <laughs> Great. <clears throat> Great, see? That didn't seem very excited. That's how you guys are. Um, welcome. I'm Todd. I'm the pastor here. <clears throat> we are in the middle of a series called Culture Wars in which we're talking about going out and just fighting anyone that gets in our way physically. Um, just kidding. Um, but we are talking about kind of standing for truth in a world that doesn't want that or doesn't uh, think they need that. <clears throat> now, if this is your first time being here, uh, I apologize in advance because my plan today was there was a message. I shouldn't. I don't know if I'll tell you the name because then you might not come next week. So we're kind of coming to the tail end of this. And uh, at one point, we're going to talk about sex, but I'm going to break it up into because sex is worshipped in this culture. I mean, it just is. Um, we worship it because it's, it's put forth as sort of an idol. And within that are all of the ways that it can get twisted, right? Whether that's sex outside of marriage, whether it's, um, you know, pornography, or we don't view it this way sometimes, but homosexuality, you know, same-sex, all this stuff. <clears throat> but we're not going to talk about that today. <laughs> so I told you that for no reason. Um, but I don't like, I, and I always tell the guys that, the younger guys that um, preach here, that we have opportunities to kind of develop their gift, to never admit to you guys that they did... <laughs> a message, like, last minute, because when they do that, you automatically are like, okay, and you're going to be looking for all the pieces that don't go well, right? AJ's nodding, because I've said that before, right? And I get why you do it. You do it because it's kind of safe, and you're like, okay, if I mess up, but then they're looking for the mess ups. <clears throat> but that being said, that sort of happened, except I, I prepared um, just not what I had prepared previously. And, and so I guess I say all that rambling to kind of ask for it. It's going to be a little different today. And those of you that, Vicky's, oh, she's here today. She's going to say it. Vicky's going to be mad at me. But for those of you that, uh, that always, you know, get upset about how long it goes or want the 15-minute, you know, fast food message, you might get that today. So I, I don't know. But I do ask you for a favor, and I ask you to do this. And this is particularly for members of this church. I love our church because we're very mission-minded. And we're very focused on reaching people and loving people. Like, I love that. And we should be. But sometimes, and I told the worship team and the media team this, sometimes we can, it's very easy to slide into the place where we are ministering to the bad people. We're all here to learn how to talk to the bad people. The problem with that is when that happens, we can subtly start to, to change our place in the stories of the Bible. So we become 
standing with Jesus on the mount, teaching the Sermon on the Mount. And we become the people giving bread. And we become the people standing and defending the adulteress instead of understanding we're one of two people. We either are the adulteress or we're the people throwing stones. Because we, Jesus is Jesus, and in comparison, we're not. So I guess I'm asking you to, to not do that today. To try to be open and present to no matter how jacked up I present this, that I, the truth is the truth. So, <laughs> I guess that was my big preface and my big like, hey, don't judge too harshly. Um, I'm kind of level with you guys a little bit and just kind of be real with you. You know, you want me to be fake? Because I can. <laughs> um, I, I uh, never genuinely genuinely never wanted to be a pastor, genuinely. Um, I, <clears throat> I, love, I, I, I love Jesus. I, got, I, I came to know Jesus late, late in high school, but I didn't really get it till, till college, early college, and then, of course, you think you get it, right? And then you still, I'm, I still don't get it. <sighs> um, but it was, it's funny how God works sometimes because I, I don't... <laughs> I think of people in this room who get upset because you think I, I don't like Christians, which I guess, if I'm honest, I probably don't. And that's why I didn't want to be a pastor. And Todd's angry all the time, right? He's mad, and he's always preaching mad, blah, 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 blah. <clears throat> and that's probably true. But I promise you that if you think I'm ever angry preaching angry, you were not here for the angry preaching phase a few years ago where I was legitimately, I was in a bad place, and I was preaching angry. Don't go back, like, 2017. Just skip those if you ever go there. But the reason I bring all that up is like, I think it's funny, man, because I, I didn't want to do that, not because I don't love Christians. I actually think you guys, I mean when I say, I think you're saints. And those of you in the room that aren't Christians, you're here for a reason. And maybe it's, you're like me and the way I was. And you're like, I love, I like Jesus, but I don't fully accept him because I don't like Christians. <laughs> That's just the bottom line, right? For various reasons. <clears throat> and the thing about it is, is that that's the whole point, is that we are, we are not Jesus. We just aren't. And we should be like him, but we're not a lot of times. And so in my mind, I, I so desperately just wanted people to know the Jesus that I met. And I might get emotional, and that makes me angry. Um, and it's funny, man, right? No matter how hard you try... To, to do the right thing. What I found out about Christians, and, and I'm one of them, so I can say this, is that we were just so mean. And everyone's nodding, right? And everyone's like, yeah, they are, but the problem is, like, somebody's got to be one of the mean ones, right? It's not always the people out there. Or we're always so, we're, we're, we're so scared and out of our fear, we're critiquing all the time or, or we're fearful and it's like, why don't you want to go to church? Why is church boring? Why is all that stuff? And it's, I don't know, I, it's messy. It's so messy. I guess, um, well, bear with me. I'm going to read some scripture, a lot of it, and then I'll kind of continue. If you have your Bibles, you can look this up. Um, 
I bet some of you know this. John 3, 16 through 17. <laughs> yeah. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Romans 6.23. Yeah, you might not be able to keep up. Sorry. <laughs> but now since you have been set free from sin and have become enslaved to God, you have your fruit, which results in sanctification, and the outcome is eternal life. Sanctification is a fancy word of becoming more like Jesus, becoming holy. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord does not delay his promise, as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. <clears throat> that's it. Like, that's, that's the gospel. That is the gospel. And it's like, 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 like. Um, there's only two types of people in this world. This is the truth. Okay? And then we can break them. There's people that are saved by the grace of God. He scoops you up in the midst of your sin, not because you got cleaned up, not because you put your cologne on, you brushed your hair, right, and you hid your addiction, but because he is love. And you turn to him, and he picks you up out of the muck. And then there's people that haven't. That's it. And the crazy part is, is that God wants to save those people too. He does. But what happens in church sometimes, capital C, and as we talk about culture wars, this is important. And I'll tie it to us, because remnant people are like, yeah, all those people out there. It's like, no, man, it's me, and it's you. The problem is, within that, we want to make subcategories. Okay, you ready? <clears throat> so, we have this world where it's kind of like you can go right now and click on Facebook or Instagram or whatever your social media of choice is, X, right? And you can find a million churches that play different music and they preach different styles, and essentially what ends up happening is you start to believe you deserve things your way, right? And the truth is you can literally find Christians who will tell you exactly what you want to hear. That's the truth. You can find whatever you want it to be. There's a church out there probably doing pretty well that's going to tell you that. Now, how does that happen? Well, it happens partially because, and this is me brainstorming with you guys, right? People certainly have a choice, and sinners and people that, that don't really want to accept the truth of God's word are going to, they're, going, they're not going to accept it no matter how you present it, right? Their hearts are going to be hard, and, and there's people like that, that their hearts are just hard. And they're not going to come to know him. But, but here's the thing. 
And God is sovereign. And I don't know how it all fits together. But do you want to be the person that hinders someone from knowing Jesus? By the way, you treat the gospel and treat them. I, uh, so one of the reasons, going back to being a pastor, one of the things that, I think I knew this intrinsically, like when I didn't want to be one, is because I knew that I am not, I cannot keep up the standard (laughs) that you think it should be. Now here's the reason why. Denise has one standard, and Jill has a standard, okay, and Maria has one, and Blake has one, and very often, all right, and Gina has one, and Vicky has one, and if I don't mesh up to that exact thing that you want, it's your job to tell me how to do it right. And then when I say something you don't like, okay, and I say it in a way you don't like, it doesn't matter anything else, you latch onto that because you've got to be the great judges of truth. But what's funny is, very rarely, what I've learned is, do you actually compare that to the Bible? Right? So instead of, hey, <clears throat> let's say the, uh, I should come back. I told you, this is a little different than normal. I'll come back next week. Maybe it'll be more cleaned up and I'll be myself. <clears throat> the reason that I do what I do, whether right or wrong, and the reason that I try to be as transparent as I am, and even doing that, I've been told like sometimes when I'm too, when I'm too transparent, and then it, he's enabling sin and glorifying his sin. And the fact that he wants to talk about it means he's okay with it. And I'm like, okay. Well, then you try to come over here and be like, okay, well, I will be talk about this. And it's like, oh, my goodness, he's on his high horse. How dare him? And then it's back and forth. Here's the thing. You do it to yourselves. The reason I get mad when I talk about Christians is not for me. You can think that because you're the high horse judges or upset, or whatever, most of the time. I'm a human. I get, I get hurt. I know it's shocking. I have feelings. But most of the time, it's because I know that if you do that to me, what are you saying to Zach? What are you saying to AJ and Blake and all the other people, right, that are trying to walk this out and are learning what it is to follow Jesus over the years and are trying to get into ministry and are trying to, to, to they want to serve the kingdom, What's the message? It's the same thing. And I can fall into it too. And it's like, okay, how do I say this in a way that's going to reach them? And how's this gonna, how am I going to make them not upset at me today? Because if I get them upset at me, then they can't hear the truth. Blah, 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 blah. And you do the same thing, I bet. And somewhere in the line of all that stuff I just told you, you know what I'm not talking about? The fact that God loves you so much that he reached in the muck and grabbed you and pulled you out of it. And once you become a Christian, there's this weird thing where you don't want to you like you don't want to be the one that still has some muck on them. Cuz you don't want to look like the mucky people. But you're always mucky. You're mucky. You're a mucky person. I just want to say that word over and over, right? It's a funny word. There's not a single person you know that's not mucky. That's why I get heartbroken when a pastor falls. It's not because, oh, Todd's want justifying his sin. I'm a sinner. If you're basing your faith on me and my holiness, you're in big trouble because I'm inevitably going to sin. I've sinned in the past. I sin now. 
That's probably shocking to you. Todd, you can't do that. That means you don't love God. No, I, I don't want to sin most of the time, right? But even on my best days, <clears throat> the reason this happens partially is because like, you forget the good news is not that like God grabbed you out of the muck, put you over here, and now you've got to pretend that you were never in the muck because you can't be one of those people. Remember I said there's two types of people. But the message the world needs is that the people in the muck need to know there's hope. Right? They need to know. And you're not aware of what you're doing in the day-to-day culture. You might stand and you might like you might be holy and you might stand against and even now, even as I talk, I think of the 50 people that always think I'm preaching to them directly. That's what I mean. I'm just being real. It's exhausting. Right? Because I know most of you, somehow you think that when I'm writing messages, I just all of a sudden that day I'm like, you know who I want to preach at? David. I really want to get David and Willie. I'm just gonna get them. Why I don't do that. I don't have time for that. So I'm saying that because I'm already thinking of people who are going to think I'm talking to them. You see what I mean? It's exhausting. And so you know why, why I even tell you that? Because if I'm exhausted, you're exhausted. And if it's exhausting to come to church, a place where you're supposed to be free to say, this is what I am, and this is where I failed, and I want to be better, and is anybody else struggling too? But in order to be, like, do or sometimes to be told, hey, you're veering off a little bit, Right? I don't know, I guess I'm telling you guys this because like, I can get lost in the culture wars. And I thought this was going to end up being primarily, and I've talked to the elders at times and other leaders, and I was like, you know, this is going to be a message kind of standing against the world, right? And that's true. But you know what's, you know what's crazy, though? I can't change the world. We can't actually stop what's happening. Because here's the truth. The world's actually going to get worse before it gets better. That's hard to hear. So the only people that we can change, right, meaning that we can set a culture, is the church. Is us. Matthew 22, 35, and 35 through 40. Do me a favor. I say it a lot. Take your Christian earmuffs off for a second. Okay? Gospel. Matthew. <laughs> 22, 35 through 40. Some of you guys ever try to race the screen? I used to do that. Can you pull it up before the screen does? No? Okay, just me. And then some of you are probably still doing what I do, did for so long. It's like you're kind of a newer Christian, so you pretend you know where it's at by flipping through. You know exactly. You don't want to tell anybody you don't know where it's at, right? By the way, maybe you're not a newer Christian. You've been a Christian a while and you still don't remember. So you go, can I be honest with you? I'm a pastor. I'm like, Haggai. Where, you know, like, where's Daniel again, right? Like, <laughs> Matthew 22, 35. And one of them, an expert in the law, let's call that religion, asked a question to test him. Teacher, which command is the great in the law is the greatest? He said to him, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
all the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. This entire book is wrapped up in those two things. Isn't that weird? Now everybody's going to go, amen, but does your life reflect that? Does your life reflect that everything is boiled down to that? Guys, the same issues show up from the beginning of Israel, right, before that, through the New Testament and now. Like, it's so easy for us to start making religion that we can become an expert in this book and miss the heart of God. What does it mean to like, why? And some of you, okay, well, how does that make sense? Here's the deal. If you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, okay, you're going to what? You're going to get to know him. You're going to spend time with him. What about when you don't want to? See, there's a difference between I want to be loved by God with all his heart, soul, and mind, or I want to love God with all my heart, soul, and mind. Here's the difference. I'll give you an example. <clears throat> relationships. You two holding hands. I always make fun of you. I'm never going to stop. Okay. <clears throat> right? Everybody's looking at you, see? That's what you get. Uh, <clears throat> that's not you, Nayana. It's all to Eli. Uh, <clears throat> when you're dating someone and you say, I love you, okay? I, and you, guys, I'll use you. When you like a girl, let me tell you what you don't do. You don't say, girl, I love you. And then don't talk to them for a week. You don't. Don't act like you. You might now. Unfortunately, married for 20 years, you struggle with it. But when you first date her, that don't happen. You know why? Because some other dude's going to slide and go, what up, girl? I'm here every day. Okay? And ladies, it's the same with you. Let me tell you, you know, if you want a guy to like you, you don't say, Hi. But, so why? You want to love them with all your heart, soul, mind. You, what's the mind? You want to know them. You ask them questions. You spend time with them. You call them. You can't sleep because you just can't wait to hear from them again. Now let's go on. Now you're married. You love your spouse. I get it. Sometimes you don't feel it, but you love them or you love your girlfriend. Boo, boo, boo. Nayana, he won't admit this, but I bet you've been mad at him before, right? When you're mad at him, you still, you haven't. Yes, you have. Don't scare her. She can be mad at you. Anyway, <clears throat> the point is, is that we can say it all we want. There are times when you wake up and look at your spouse, and it's going to happen to you too. You can believe it or not. You ain't going to want to hold hands all the time someday. Yes, I will. No, you won't, right? The question is, will you still? Because love is a choice. So when you think about this, when you think about what Jesus is really saying, he's, he's not saying, listen, I'm going to make you want to come to me every day. I'm going to make you want to go to church. I'm going to make you want to read the Bible. I'm going to make you want to talk to me. I'm going to fulfill your every need. All he, right, that's not what he's saying. He's saying you have, you have to choose to love God, your God, with all your heart, soul, and mind. Sometimes those emotions come and sometimes they don't. Not because, right? And this is what gets weird. He gives us the blessing of his presence. He gives us the blessing of his peace. He gives us all that stuff, but he doesn't, right? What about when he doesn't? Stay with me, okay? Well, Todd, what do you mean? I'm saying a lot of the problems we have in our lives and in our faith are because we don't view it that way. If you view coming to church not about how you feel that day, 
Not about whether you want to hear Todd ramble at you. Not about whether, you know, uh, AJ makes you mad. i got to use people that don't get mad. Or Bailey gets irritated at you. Not about whether you feel like it, but because you are doing it. If you can't even do it for people, because you honor God. Let me tell you how you know what that is. Because I see it a lot. There's a lot of men... I'll use men. There's men that you'll go home every day. You sit in your car, and you've had a long day of work, and you don't want to go inside and deal with more relationship weight. Ladies, you too, but I'm just saying. Do, what do you do? Do you start the car and drive away until you feel like coming home, or do you pull in, get out of the car, and walk inside because you're choosing to love? But somehow God gets treated differently. If you were to not do that, if you don't invest in that relationship, what happens? falls apart. You say you want to be close to God, but you don't read his word. You don't spend time with him because you can't see it. But you'll go exercise. Do you lose 10 pounds the first way? I wish I did. I went and did cardio every day this week. I lost one pound, right? One pound. That's a true story. And I'm dying, right? Andy saw me. Am I dying? I mean, I'm, I'm the gross guy you don't want to get next to on a treadmill. There's sweat everywhere. I have to clean the treadmill after. And guess what? One pound. Right? We don't do that. So if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, you're also going to fight to do what he does and not do what he tells us not to do. Okay, so, well, what do you mean? I've got to do this, I've got to do that. It's not, what Jesus is saying is like, if you just love me, you're going to naturally do the things that are going to keep us close, right? Keep you holy on the path to holiness, because you're already holy because of him, right? That are going to have an alive faith. And then he says, that's the greatest and most important. Well, how is it the most important? Because if you do that, you're going to do the second. The second is like, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law, law and prophets depend on those two commands. Let's just take me, for example. And again, this isn't about making me happy or you guys made me sad, but I think it's a good example for the rest of you. If you were up delivering a message to everyone, okay, and I understand there's a weight that comes with this. It's terrifying, but there's a weight. I get that. The Bible even says that. But let's say you're up here and you're trying to talk about God and somebody gets mad at you because your voice gets too loud, because you're wearing the wrong shirt, because you're sweaty. <laughs> That's going to happen, I'm telling you now. Because I don't talk like Pastor Jimmy Joe did. How do you, or you don't talk like that. How do you feel? Do you feel loved? Do you feel encouraged? Do you feel supported? Then why do you do that? Now, here's the reason I use me. I don't really care because I'm prideful and that's sinful, okay? And I get mad, right? I'm going to come to some of you because that's where you end up. You do that to each other. So then if you see someone, like, you don't think about what culture does. That's why I try to use myself. If you're doing it to me and everybody goes, okay, because some of you are under the weird illusion that I am, like, really holy and really close to God. I know some of you are like, I already know you're not. But some people think that. And then they see how you treat me. And guess what they think about themselves because in their own mind, they're down here. I told this before. One time I was praying, and it changed my, the way I even pray. And I was, this was early on, and I was real transparent, like, Lord, I'm a piece of garbage. I hate myself, blah, you know. And this lady came up to me after, and I tell this story a lot because it was a Kairos moment, a moment when God spoke to me, and he, she said, hey, when you do that, it makes me feel so much worse about myself because you're way better than me. There's a lot wrong there, but my point is like, that's how we treat each other. 
You don't think that we don't all absorb what happens when we see a Christian fall and they tear them apart? And then guess what you're going to do? You're going to hide, but you're not going to admit that because if you admit you're hiding, then you'd have to admit there's something you're hiding, right? It's so simple. Love your, how do you want to be loved? I hear this all the time. How do I do that? How do you want to be treated? Let's start there. Do you want people to be mean to you, hateful to you? Do you want, as soon as you make a mistake, how many of you, don't raise your hand because some of you are going to lie and then I'm going to get mad. you got sins that you don't want anyone to know that you've hidden, not because you don't feel bad about it, but because some, deep down in your heart, you know if they, if they showed that, if you showed that, they won't love you anymore. That's the truth. There's no way they'll believe you didn't want to fall into that sin, right? Is that what it's supposed to be? Luke 10, 25-37. I'm not going to read the whole thing, so don't worry. But I want to I, I hopefully have a point to all this. Luke 10, 25-37. Even now, I got that voice in my head. Say, say, Todd, like we've got a mission. I want to reach as many people as possible. Not so I can be famous. That's you critiquing again, right? Because that's terrifying, right? The more people, the bigger the platform, the scarier it is. <clears throat> but the point is, when, <clears throat> when that happens... But I want, I want there to be a lot of people. But your mind starts going, you know what? I'm not saying things the way I should say it. Uh-oh. I'm misrepresenting this church, these people. Listen to this. I'm going to have to just do it anyway. Then an expert in the law stood up to test him and said, it's very similar to what happened here, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? An expert in the law. Again, who's that? Who's the expert in the law? A lot of you in the room you're experts in the law. And you may not even mean to. Jesus loves you. I'm not trying to condemn you. But if you become the person that your identity isn't, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian saved by grace because God grabbed me through muck, are you an expert in the law? And so your job is to go to various churches and make sure they're doing the right thing because God sent you on us. You have a ministry of discernment. Teacher, what must I do in here in eternal life? What is, the, what is written in the law, he asked him. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Wow, he said the right thing, right? I wonder if he heard him earlier. Kind of wonder, right? Maybe he was there. Well, you already told us. You've answered correctly, he told him. Do this, and you will live. Now listen to this. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Stop. That's it. Wanting to justify himself. We want to look for the reasons. Let's go back for both verses. Like, I don't love the Lord of God my heart with all my heart, soul, and mind, some of you, because Christians hurt me. Because I haven't found the right church. Because I've got this checklist. Well, I'm, I don't love so-and-so because they did that really bad sin. I don't have to love them. I don't love this person because they wronged me. I don't love this person because they sinned against me. I don't love this person because they broke my heart. I don't love this person because they betrayed me. I don't love, love my neighbor because I, they smell bad, they look funny, whatever else it is. We want, you ready? We want the justification to not do the two simple things. We want the justification. 
to not go to church in general. And I'm going to bring it up. You should be in church. And you're not in there. Not If you're a Christian, you are either one of two things. There's only two reasons a Christian does not go to church. I'm going to tell you right now. And you're one of these two camps. And both of them, one bleeds into the other. You've been terribly hurt by the church. And you don't want to take that chance again. Or two, you are arrogant. That's it. It doesn't have to be here. If I was a good pastor, I'd tell you all the reasons to have to be here. No, you need to be somewhere, and you need to be in community. Why? Because if you actually love the Lord God all your heart, soul, and mind, you want to be in community to have accountability because he told you you need that. There's, a, there's I'm not going to say a million because that's a lie. There's hundreds of good churches out there. It don't have to be here. But quit fooling yourself that you're going to magically find the place that makes you feel safe enough to, to stay and commit and get to know people. It's ugly. It's messy. It ain't fun all the time. People make you mad. That's the point. Because in that community, you're going to learn the edges and the parts of you that aren't like Jesus, and you're going to have two options. You're going to change and become more like him, or you're going to walk away. And that choice is going to reveal who you are. We have to justify that's the bad person. And then Jesus goes on because he says the right thing. Okay, he said, you say you do it already. Okay. <clears throat> we don't know what a Samaritan is. This is the story of the Good Samaritan. We don't have it. When I say the words I'm going to say, this is their words. You can historically look this up. They viewed them as a mongrel people. I'm serious. A mixed, you know, people who had, they, they, were, they were the descendants of, of Israelites who had, who had bread with pagans, and now you have this mess, and they are very, very bad people, and we are good people, and do not associate because you might catch the bad. So when he says that, we're like, I don't get it. What's the big deal? It's just somebody from the, you know, you, we read it as like the parable of the good Warsaw person. Some of you live in Warsaw, but you get what I mean? Like the parable of the city next door. That's not what he's saying. These are people you don't want to touch. And so he tells this story of like what happens and he says this guy gets jumped on the road and he's bleeding and you, you have this, these people we don't know, a Levite, and these are important people in the church, right? A priest was going down the road when he saw him and passing on the other side in the same year, Levite, when he arrived at the place and saw him pass on the other side, right? So a man falls down, you have a priest walks by, a Levite walks by, this is a part of the, in the Jewish culture, a very important religious people. Then a Samaritan, one of the mongrel bad people, and I say mongrel, that's what they called him. One of the gross people walks by, grabs him, picks him up, cleans his bandages, takes him, puts him in a hotel, pays for the hotel and says, I'll be back, however long he needs to stay, I'll come back and pay it. And then Jesus says these words in verse 36, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The one who showed mercy to him, he said, then Jesus told him, go and do the same. This is what I love about Jesus and what's most frustrating and terrifying to us. He's not, like, he's proud of you when you love your best friend. Okay, he is. But he wants to see if you got the type of love he has. Will you love the unlovable? Will you love the untouchable? Will you love your enemies the way he loved you when you were his enemy? Because you were. It's all messy. Because, you know, people are, are either lost, broken, or blind, I think. 
lost, broken, or blind. That's really what I think. Most human beings. Well, Todd, you only said there's two types of people. I'm talking about within churches now. Okay? The lost are the ones I told you. They're lost. Either they came in because they, they heard about that teacher who heals people. How many times do we look at them and say, no, 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 he didn't have time for you? By the way we live. <clears throat> They're lost. They don't know him. They don't even know they need him, maybe. The broken are the hurt people. Right? They're hurt, and they're scared, and they hide, and Jesus loves you and loves them, but the truth is they're living a half-life, and that's why your faith is dead, because you're trying to serve your way into heaven. You're trying to earn it. You're trying to keep it. You're trying to you know, hide so nobody sees your bad parts. That's what you're trying to do, and, and so... You know, you're in and out, and it's scary, and you, that's exhausting. Or you're blind. Another word would be arrogant. I say blind because the Pharisees came up to Jesus after he healed a blind man, and they thought that blindness like that came from sin. If you're born blind, it's because your parents were sinful, then you have sin. And they said, man, I'm glad we're not blind like him, teacher. And he said, man, if you were blind, I could heal you, but because you say you see, I can't. There are the people in this room today that think you don't need it because life's going pretty good for you right now. Good house, good wife, good husband, good motorcycle, good car, good whatever vacations, good whatever it is, and that's awesome. Wouldn't it be cool if you go your whole life that way? Great. It doesn't go with you, and that's not what Jesus judges. What's my point in all this? I don't really know. <laughs> I think that we've been given a very important job. I studied this recently. I told some people close to me in First Thessalonians, and you can go study yourself. I'm still not, this is me just being your friend here, okay? There's a weird kind of interesting section where it talks about how there's a force restraining evil in this world, holding it back. And your mind should go like, what is that force? right? It's the church. There's people that say it's the church, and I kind of like, I think that's true, right? Like, the saints are the light of the world, and it makes sense, right? If you take the light out, it's only what? So, okay, so what happens if the church, now we put all the Bible together, that's the light, that's the only thing holding back the dark, is the light of the church, the saints, who have the hope, and all of a sudden you do what Jesus said, you either put it on the floor and put a, a lampshade over it, a blanket over it, what happens? We're keeping the light to ourselves. We're okay, but nobody in the room can see. And maybe you're safe, but people are dying. The early church was successful and crazy and, and alive because they lived this stuff radically to the point of death. And you're going to do that, aren't you? You're going to stand in persecution, but you don't go to church. He's, he's guilting me. Gotcha. Person that's saying that, you're already doing it. I'm not guilting you because I don't know you. <laughs> and honestly, when you're up here, I do kind of look for friendly faces. Like I said, if I'm staring at you, you're either really, really, you're probably friendly. Grumpy people, I see you, but I look away quickly because you're discouraging, right? <laughs> so if I'm looking at you, it's not because I'm shaming you. I'm probably like, hey, nice person. Thank you, nice guy, nice girl, whatever. <clears throat> 
But I'm not saying, but if God's speaking to you in that, that's my point. This isn't easy. But it's true and it's real. And if you're exhausted in your faith, it's because it's not God's fault. And that's the part I got to accept. And I've been talking, it's, it's not his fault. It's not on his end. Every time I start to get too frustrated, it's all the other people. Let me ask you a question. Are you doing everything he told you to do? Until the day you can say yes, you're not the victim. It just gets messy. And I, I confess that to you guys. I get, you're probably right sometimes. I get, I kind of put myself in the place of Jesus, I guess. I think my temptation, I don't ever think that, you know, I told you the story, even the story of the adulteress. You're either the person throwing the stones or the adulteress. I think I am, I don't put, I, I am the one. I'm like, no, I'm going to protect the adulteress because I know I'm her. So, but I'm, but I'm with Jesus. You know what I mean? And that's why I probably come off as angry. But that's not true. <laughs> I'm not. If we want, you know, and everybody's scared, right? If you don't know, Israel's getting attacked. And I hear it all the time. Is it the end times and blah, blah, blah. Do you want to know something really, really crazy? You can't control a single moment. You can't control a single thing that's going to happen if somebody crazy pushes a button to make a missile shoot. I'm being honest with you. All your worry and all your study of revelation and all those things and certainly be prepared, but it's not going, you cannot control it. Do you know what you can control? Do you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and do you love others as yourself? And if it is close, how dare we hole up and study our book instead of tell them about what's coming? Because you have a part in that. When I'm in a good place and I'm loving people and loving God, I don't get, like, my problems seem smaller. I'm not as angry, right? All these things. It's the same with you. But the thing is, are you willing to admit the truth? Which one of the two are you not doing? Or maybe both? You can't really, because a lot of churches try to do one or the other, and it's ugly either way. I love the Lord to God, but I almost signed it. That isn't even a word. Without my heart, soul, and mind. There's another verse I almost put up here. It's really powerful. I think about people like that. Jesus says this incredible thing, and I can't tell you exactly where it is, but he says this. He says, you pour through the scriptures looking for life, but you don't come to me that I might give you life. How wild is that? I'm scared to death that if it is the end times, I'm going to go and, and I have to face the people that I stood in the way of, right? I mean, I can't stop it. But do I make their journey easier or harder? Am I standing in their way or am I pointing the way to him? Do I encourage my brothers and sisters in Christ or I make the, 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 the road harder? Do I stand for truth or do I want to fit in? Am I bitter or am I always trying to be better? Not because John Maxwell told you to, or not because of 12 principles to be a better man, but because Jesus Christ told you, follow me, and I will give you life and give it to the full. 
told you, you get you, you can come on up here, Mandy. Todd, this is all over the place, I know. I guess what I'm trying to say is in these culture wars, if we want to be effective in this world, if we everyone says they want an axe church, they want to live in that church that's alive and they they have real community and they love and they're, you know, miracles are happening. By the way, they are happening, you should not pay attention to them. But things are happening. Okay? But they don't want to do Acts church type stuff. Sounds great until it says crazy things like every day they spent time together. It says that. Do you think they always wanted to? You don't think they got irritated at each other like you're mad at me and I get irritated? Me irritated at you? Never. That's a big laugh, Dave. <laughs> yeah. If we want to be a light in this world, we've got to focus on those two things. Stop running. Stop hiding. Model it. If you're the only person in a room who's on the altar, not because you're doing it for them, but because, Lord, I want you and I believe you're going to move, be that person. We talk about setting culture here a lot if you're in the community in this church and like what that means. And what that means is, you know, are you willing to be the only one? Are you willing to be the only one that's radically living this out? And living it out is radical. If you spend time, I've said this all the time, if you spend time with church people a lot, you're a cult. If you spend time with work people a lot, you're a networker. Don't you think that's bizarre? Right? It's bizarre. Who do you think's behind that? We have an enemy and we've talked about that. So I guess I... I don't really know, but I'll I'll end with this. It's simple, guys. For God loved the world in this way that he gave his only one and only son that everyone who believes him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. If you felt condemned, then that's kept you from God. If you felt condemned and not good enough, that's not him. And I'm sorry that his people sometimes mess up and do that. And if you're in the room and says, I haven't come to him because I've never been good enough. All they want to do is point out my sin. All they want to do is point out my mistakes. AJ and I have talked to two different guys. We just had this talk last night. Two guys randomly at the gym. We've become kind of friends with them independently, and, and we've talked to them both, invited them, and both guys are real and genuine guys. And, and, and I get it. They aren't there yet, but the reason they don't come to church is because they essentially, when they come to church, they feel like they're judged. One guy feels like he's judged because of who his dad is. They're both hurting. And we don't recognize, we're like, well, if they accept it, they'd accept it. You are the Jesus they know. Because remember, they don't know yet. They don't know the truth. They don't know what I just read to you. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's patient, not wanting any perish, but come all to repentance. In the midst of our sin, he saved us. you if you're the person lost and you you, man you're interested in God but you don't want the weight that comes with it you don't want to be judged you don't want to be hated you don't want to be condemned he doesn't do that he doesn't he's not condemning you he's calling you home that's the Jesus I met and that's the Jesus I want to tell you about
You notice what it doesn't say? It doesn't say so that everyone who cleans up their act, comes together, wears the right clothes, doesn't sin ever again, will not perish but have eternal life. Will you believe in him? That's the whole point of Christianity. The point is, I'm going to mess up again. Will you hold me when I don't hold on to you? That's the promise. He said in John 14 or 15, he said, I will never let go of one of these that you've given to me as he talked to the Father. I won't let go even when we try. You can squirm out of that hand all you want. You're not going anywhere. And if that messes with some of your theology, you're wrong. Anyway, (laughs) you can't lose something you never earned. If you're in the room and you're broken and you've been hiding and you're keeping yourself safe, that's great. And God's going to love you and he's going to welcome you home because you put your faith in him. But I think you might be sad to see how many people he put in your life for you to interact with and you're justifying yourself saying, well, I love in this way and I do these things that make me comfortable and you're okay with that because you love me and he is. But you're lonely and you're anxious and you're scared and you're worried all the time and it's because you're living a half life. That's not life to the full. And if you're in the room and you think life's going real good right now, I like to come when I need a a pick-me-up, and you probably picked the wrong day to come, but you need a pick-me-up, right? I'm scared for you because you're blind and you don't know it. And what's going to happen is, Lord forbid, but that's what this life is is everything, the things you put your hope in sometimes go away. Even that person, that's an amazing, beautiful person sitting next to you, Lord forbid. Or that job, or that house, or the motorcycle, or the car, or the vacations, or the, or the social status, the things we talked about last week, and it, and it slips through your fingers, and then all of a sudden you go, who am I? Stop. Stop. You're a sinner. You messed up. Don't mistake the blessings you've been given in this life as God's like, hey, you're okay. The rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. If we want to be a light in this world, if it is the end, and we are going to talk about Revelation, you guys got, I told you we're doing it. Right, and it is important to know. But if you, if this is, how do you like? What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing with your time? What are you doing with your life? I want to live, man. Right? I want to live, and I want to live free and joyful, and I want to be a light. If you're in the room and you don't know God, I don't think I have to tell you. I already told you today. We're all messed up. You're broken and you're hurt. And that hole you've been trying to fill with people or pills or bottle, right? Or a bottle or bodies. If I can find somebody that's gonna love me. And even when you find them, you're like, man, why isn't that enough? Maybe I'll find another one. <sighs> that's because you're made to be in relationship with God. I'm telling you. You can be free of the shame and the guilt and the worry and the fear. You can and it'll creep back in sometimes, but it always goes back when we follow him, when he goes away again. 
We're separated from God by sin, by the things we've done and the things we do. And even if we clean it all up, and this is why it doesn't matter, it's still inside of us, right? You know those thoughts, those things that make you ashamed. Jesus doesn't offer to just clean the outside of the cup up. You know, he says that to the religious people too. Religious people are really good at cleaning the outside of the cup. They have a dirty, it's clean, but the inside's gross. Jesus does something opposite. He says, I'm gonna clean the inside out and the outside will catch up. God loves you and you're here today for a reason because today, right now, that little voice that says he's talking to you, that's impossible because I don't know you, he's talking to you. That's him. And I know the first thing is gonna be like, it's not true or, you know, I want it, but then people are gonna know I'm one of the bad ones, right? That's the, that, so there's people that don't come up to get saved because they don't want people to go, no, they weren't saved. Who cares? I was that, I was you. I still am except by his grace. So if you feel like you're in the muck and you're lost, lost and you're broken, you're hurting, and you don't wanna have to stand before God and be judged for those things you've done because that's true. Wrath is there. You haven't gotten away with it. Somebody's gonna pay for it. It's either you're gonna pay for it or let Jesus. The Bible says if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead, you'll be saved. That's what it says. All you have to do today is not figure out what it is to be a Christian. You just gotta decide what you believe about Christ. Jesus is God made flesh. He came down, he taught us how to live. He told us the truth about who God is, who we are in relation to him, and then he died to pay the price that you're gonna have to pay without him. And then he rose on the third day from the dead, over 500 witnesses attest to this, to prove he was God. And he lives right now. He's not a ghost, right? He's not words on a page. He lives, and he's offering you life today. Life. You can be confident that nobody can take it. And if, Lord forbid, a bus hits you today, that you would go before him and he says, welcome home. There's gonna be a moment, you're gonna have some minutes here, and I'm talking to those people. And the lights are gonna go down. There's gonna be people up here willing to pray with you. And you're gonna, you're probably interested, and you're gonna have a moment where it's gonna come down to which voice you're gonna listen to. You're gonna listen to the voice that's telling you this is real, something's different, that you need to move. And then there's going to be a voice that says, people are going to look at you. You're going to be stupid. I'll do it later. I don't need this. All these lies. You know how I know it? Because I, that's what it told me. And weirdly, that voice is usually louder. That little still voice in you that says, don't leave today. I'm here. Come home. That's the one you need to listen to. Hear me. Come home. Be forgiven and restored and forgive the people, the church, the Thank God that Christians are not Jesus because we're jerks, okay? Right? Sometimes. There's people up here willing to pray with you, okay? I could do the whole thing where I make you put your head down and there's something to that and raise your hand. I've done it before. I'm not gonna do it today. If that's you, I promise you, nobody's judging you. They wanna celebrate with you. If you're in the room and you know there's a conviction in your heart that I haven't been living my life for the Lord with all my heart, soul, and mind. I haven't been loving people as myself. Repent. Show your him. That doesn't mean to be saving him, but turn away from it. Come to him and say, Lord, help me. Let's walk out of here and be different. Be different. Change the world by being light. Or... You can keep choosing dead religion. 
Or for some of you, you don't even do that. You just do the, hey, I'm going to go get me a pick-me-up. It's meant to be more than that. If you didn't like it today, come back next week. Maybe you'll like that. But here's a secret. At the end of the day, the message will be the same. We've got to do what he says to do and be who he told us to be radically when we don't want to. That's following. Right? That is following. I don't want to do it every time. If you haven't been following, repent. If you know him, if you don't know him, come to know him. Whatever you do, don't leave the same as you came in because if you do, you're choosing to.